Welcome everyone to this episode of Christian Historical Fiction Talk. If it's happening in the world of Christian historical fiction, you can be sure that we are talking about it right here. I am so pleased that you have decided to join me this week because we have a very special guest. I'm really looking forward to chatting with her and hearing about her new book. She has been named one of the funniest voices in inspirational romance by Booklist, and she is a USA Today best-selling author known for penning quirky historical romances set in the Gilded Age. Her books have earned her Publisher Weekly and Booklist starred reviews, top picks from Romantic Times, and praise from the Library Journal. She's been a finalist twice for Romantic Times Reader's Choice Awards and had two of her books listed in the top 100 romances of the past decade from Booklist. Please help me welcome to the show, Jen Tirano. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here today. Why don't we get started and have you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, um, Jen Tirano, I live in Colorado. I'm originally from Ohio. I've been married to my husband for over 30 years, and we have one son, Dominic. He is out of the house. He's an engineer now, and he lives in downtown Denver. Um, I don't get to see him much these days because of the pandemic. He's afraid to come home because he doesn't want to kill us. And, um, <laughs> and so um, interestingly enough, I did not major in any kind of writing or English or anything when I was in college. I majored in fashion, and I worked in the fashion industry for years until I had my son, um, and then I became a stay-at-home mom. And I started writing when Dominic was in third grade, and we read this series. It was back in the days when he would read a chapter, I would read a chapter. And so um, we were on a series, and it was about this this bird, and it was a dreadful series. So we made it to book number six, and and I, he only recently found out that there were, there's like 12 books in that series, but I told him that was the end. <laughs> so I can't read it anymore. And so he told me that the book, that the stories I used to make up to keep him in his jogger stroller when he was little, because he was a terror. And if I didn't make up stories, he would unbuckle himself and throw himself out of the, out of the jogger stroller. And we just, we were always in the emergency rooms for something. So I would make up these stories to avoid that. And he said that those were better and we should try to make our own story that would be better than this bird book. And so that's what we did. And that's when I started writing. And that book obviously didn't go anywhere, but I really liked using my brain again. So I tried a, a bunch of different genres. And at heart, I'm a businesswoman. So I learned everything I could about the publishing industry. And I'm surprised I still continued on after I found out how difficult it was to break into the business. But um, it took me seven books, manuscripts before I actually landed an agent. And then she sold my work to Bethany House and I've been with them ever since. Wow, that's fabulous. What an interesting way to come about to be in the publishing industry. I've never heard of anyone taking the route through fashion design before. You know, I, I get that all the time. Everyone's like, when you majored in what? And uh, But that's why you see so many department stores in my books because I always, well, except for one, one job was not in a department store, but other than that, I always worked in department stores. And I started working in a department store the day I turned 16. It was Black Friday was the first day I was on the floor and they put me in cosmetics. And it was 
<laughs> it was crazy because all the products are in the drawers, you know? So, and I was 16 years old and I certainly wasn't wearing designer cosmetics at the time. So it was just a crazy day, but I fell in love with department stores and retail and fashion um, from that, really from that day. And that's why I decided to major in fashion. And I was a buyer for years for this one department store. And then I was a store manager and I managed one of those old fashioned department stores that had like nine different levels. You know, unfortunately, mostly all of those family run department stores are no longer in existence. So you got a baptism by fire there on your first day in the job. And there was a coupon. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. <laughs> and there was a clinic. You know how you get those clinic, like a, a gift with purchase? Oh yes. There was a clinic gift with purchase that day too. It was just crazy, but it was a, it was a blast. I loved it. Your latest book is To Steal a Heart. And I have to say, I read it. I loved it. I laughed out loud. It was such a wonderful book. And so quirky and different than most what of what is out there. What was the inspiration behind the book? Um, so with To Steal Hearts, you know, I'm really known in the industry as, you know, I, I write Gilded. So people call me the Gilded Girl. And I normally surround everything. I write about the New York 400, which was the, the highest level of society in America. And it was all based in New York City. And so I wanted to do something a little different because my last series was the American Heiress series. So that really was smack dab in the New York 400. So I thought, well, what would be the opposite of that? And so the first thing I thought of, I was going to do like um, an Oliver Twist kind of story. And so I had that in the back of my mind, but then I've always really liked My Fair Lady. So I thought, well, how could I incorporate that? I don't know. I think my brain is sort of an odd place to be anyway. So <laughs> I kind of combined those two, but I switched it around to where the heroine, Gabriella Goodhue, she's more of an Oliver Twist type of character, whereas the hero, Nicholas Quinn, he kind of has like the My Fair Lady, but in reverse, just how he ends up living within the New York 400 because he kind of had a mentor, so to speak, who took him in. And then once I once I kind of figured out I wanted to do that, I thought it would be really fun. I, I really love mysteries. So I thought, well, how about if I could do like a, some kind of agency, you know, where they were, you know, they were run by women. And, and I just happened to be in New York City and I went to this bakery on Bleecker Street. And then I saw this historical building there. And that's just when everything clicked. I, I decided I was going to do the ladies of the Bleecker Street Inquiry Agency. And then and then that's when I flushed out Gabriella and Nicholas's story for this first story to steal a heart. And I love your quirky characters. They're so unique and so different than than any characters I've ever read before. How do you create such quirky characters like Daphne in the book? I just I loved her. And, and how do you come up with an idea for somebody like that? You know, so normally um, when I'm writing a book, I know I know who the main characters are going to be straight off the bat. And I do outline like I'm not I'm more of a hybrid. I'm not a pantser or a planner. So I know I plan out five chapters at a time. And so I knew Gabriella was going to open up the story in the midst of you know, this, this intrigue, she was, you know, she had to go and she has to steal into this safe. 
And so I needed her to have a helper. And I, I played around with a couple different ladies who lived in this boarding house. And then all of a sudden, this swooning woman just popped to mind and she just swoons at the drop of a hat. And, and then I knew like she had to be a writer. (laughs) I don't know why I knew she had to be a writer, but she just had to be a writer and she had to live in this attic. And as soon as she showed up on the page, she just kind of took on a life of her own. And she, Daphne was just a riot to write. She's actually in the second book, To Write a Wrong. I just finished up the developmental edits on that this past Saturday morning. So the hard part with that book is done. Yeah, so they just they just kind of let me know where they're going. Um, I had another one, Murray Middleton, who shows up in Diamond in the Rough. I never planned on him. He was just supposed to be a dance partner for my heroine in the opening scene. And this, like the same thing happened with him. Like he he just got on the page and I fell in love with him and he ends up having his own whole side story in diamond in the rough. So they just, they just kind of find me these quirky characters, you know, when I do a lot of walking on the trail and sometimes when I'm just walking, they'll just show up. And as soon as I know what their quirk is, like Daphne swoons, (laughs) they just, they just take it from there. That is so much fun when they do that. Exactly. It is. And she has a really big bag so she can stuff all this stuff in. And and to right or wrong, there she just happens to have this book on poisonous plants that causes a bit of pe- people are don't really know why she would have a book on poisonous plants unless she's intending on poisoning someone. So that was kind of fun, too. Now, you're known as one of the funniest ladies in the industry. Have you always had this penchant for the humorous? I have. I think I inherited it from my mom. She had just this wicked sense of humor. And I was very close with my mom. She passed away over 15 years ago. And she's the one who, she introduced me to really reading. I started reading when I was three because I was incredibly shy. And I used to, I didn't like when like they would have visitors in the house and my mom realized that. And so it was, it was quite amusing because I decided that my safe place was going to be a closet. (laughs) So she just put a bookshelf in there and, and she always, we always found funny stories, even when I was little for me to read. So that's what I've, the, the stories I remember most are the ones that have humor in them. And yeah, I've just always had an odd sense of humor and like really strange things always happen to me. So that helps with writing, writing my books, because there's a lot of things in my books that have been inspired by true life stories. What a wonderful mother to recognize your shyness and to help you deal with it by putting that bookshelf in the closet. That was, that was brilliant. You know, and I I stayed in that closet for years until I decided that I didn't want to just watch life, you know. And so then that was when I was like in middle school. I decided, you know what, you have to get out there. So I forced myself to join student council and all of these other clubs and, and to branch out. And, and by doing that, I, I have this wonderful group of friends. There were nine of us in high school and I'm still friends with all of them, we still get together. And yeah, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I was the president of the student council, which made me, you know, I had to get up and speak a lot. And I mean, to this day, I really don't like getting in front of crowds, 
but I can. And that was all because of my mom. And then she she did kind of push me because she knew that I that I wanted to be able to do more things, but I just had this crippling case of shyness. So yeah, she would she would drag me out and I'd have to go in places with she would she had she had the same group of friends from her high school that they were friends until, you know, there's only one of them alive still now, but they would meet every two years. And so my mom would drag me down when they would, they would be at a resort and and make me socialize with them. So I would, you know, kind of come out of my shell. I understand that there are only two books in the Bleecker Street Inquiry series. And you alluded that Daphne's story is next. Is that correct? That's it is correct. And there'll, there'll be a total of three. I'm actually working on the third one right now. So yes, yeah, so the second book will be Daphne's story, Daphne Beekman's story. And then the third book will be Eunice Holbrook's story. She's the one who wears the widow weeds and has quite the mystery behind her. Oh, I am so glad to hear that because I was so sad that there were only going to be two books and that you wouldn't get to Eunice's story. And I so much want to hear Eunice's story. So I am so, you just made my day. <laughs> well, good, good. Yes. And I really, when I did the the proposal for this, I really wasn't sure which way I was going to go for the third book because there's some other characters who, you know, some of the other ladies in the boarding house that they could have been a possibility but Eunice just intrigues me because there's so much mystery and because she hides behind the widow's weeds. And so I am just writing her story now. I had to stop to do those developmental edits. Yeah, she, she's going to have quite the story. I think you're going to like it. Oh, I'm sure I will. And I'll definitely be looking forward to that one as well as to Daphne's story. And when does Daphne's story release? So Daphne's story comes out, I want to say it's the first week in August, 2021. And then that'll be followed by the final book. I'm really bad with dates, but I'm pretty sure it's right at the beginning of 2022. I normally release, it's almost like I release two books a year. with just a, you know what I mean? A month or two gap in between that. So, and Eunice's story is due the beginning of March and it's, it's been, I don't know about you, but it's been very interesting to try to write during this whole pandemic. That's for sure. I mean, people in and out of the house and my husband has been here working from home and just got word that he'll be home until at least April. So it's it's been interesting to try to get writing. That's for sure. So so this book, To Steal a Heart, I keep pulling this book up like people can see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So to steal a heart, I had finished that book before COVID hit, but then I had to edit it right at the beginning of COVID. And my husband, yeah, he was working home as as well. And I just, you know, and it just seemed like it he wasn't going to be going back anytime soon. And I was trying to also do Daphne's book to write a wrong in between that. So um, drastic measures were called for, which is why I now have a she shed in my backyard that I write in. And it's a super cool, it was just a garden shed. And we had a hard time actually finding one to purchase because a lot of people are putting these up in their backyards. And we finally found one. Al and I are home improvement challenge, like you would not believe. And we had to figure out how to frame the inside of it and then insulate it 
and put up the walls. And luckily, one of our neighbors took pity on us and he provided us with all the tools and everything and came and mostly Al did it. I really like, I would just give suggestions. They won't let me near power tools. And um, so that's where I'm writing. I actually have a she shed now because of this COVID business. That is so cool. That must be a really nice place to get away and, and to write and to be able to really focus without a lot of distractions. You know, it is, it is, it is really cool. And I do, um, and boys are not allowed. It's girls only. And so some of my friends have come over and, you know, we'll, you know, have a drink in the she shed. It's just kind of funny that I actually have a she shed now. And <laughs> I did put out a thing for people to name the she shed, but you know, it just, everybody calls it the she shed. So it's just unnamed. It's just Jen's she shed. <laughs> well, that's cool. I love it. I absolutely love it. Who would be your favorite author? If you're going to curl up with a good book, who's the author that you're most likely to pick up? Oh, I'm totally not answering that question. (laughs) (laughs) You would give me so much trouble. But, well, I love Karen Wittemeyer. I love Regina Jennings. I love Danny Petri, Becky Wade, Carla Lariano. Your books. (laughs) (laughs) This just gets me in trouble here. Let me see who else. Rachel Dillon. I love, love, love her suspense. Karen Putman. Love her books. Let me see. And you know what? I'm like missing like a ton of people. Oh, that's all that's springing to mind. So I don't have a favorite. I'm just putting that out there right now. No favorites. Okay. (laughs) That probably was a mean question, but. Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) Getting me in trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure you probably get asked this a lot because you're known for your humor, but what is the funniest writing related thing that's ever happened to you? Well, you know, um, the first thing that springs to mind, I have a video out that I did yesterday for release day. Just so everybody knows, like, I don't really like doing videos, but, you know, drastic measures are needed during COVID, right? So um, that's why this is bringing to mind. It's kind of writing related on my First release date ever, which was eight years ago. My first book came out in November of 2012. That's when A Change of Fortune came out. So I decided I was going to have just this great release day, you know, and they're released on a Tuesday. So my husband wasn't home. Dominic was in school. So I was kind of on my own. And and so I, I got to the car and the first place I won't mention the bookstore I went to, but they did not have my book unpacked yet. So that was a bit of a bummer. So I went across the street and there was a Lifeway store and it was there and it was faced out and on the top shelf. And it just looked beautiful because that really is a gorgeous cover. It's one of my favorite covers to date. So I took a couple pictures, not selfies. I didn't do selfies back then. And then I kind of, I went into that whole lurk mode, you know, where you're just waiting to see if someone will come and pick up your book. And this, this lady did. And I, I rushed her (laughs) and I told her that that was my book. And oh my, she took it the wrong way. She thought I was trying to rip this book out of her hand. And so she, she like held it out to me, like, like a shield, like she was protecting herself from me with my own book. And then she told me that there were other books on the top shelf and that I should get one of those. And then I just started laughing because she totally misunderstood. And I could see how she, because I was like crazy lady, because I did like, you know, like almost accost her. And she was like, it was like, she was looking around like probably for security. And then she just fled because by that time I'm like crying, I'm laughing so hard. So that's one of my funniest writer-related <laughs> stories. 
There you oh, go. That is that is good. That is very good. I love that. Yeah, so I don't I don't approach people anymore. I have I've only approached one other person I saw. They were in our local library and I just love our, I live in Parker, Colorado. And and so the ladies at the Parker Library, they are just really good with me. The librarians help me with a lot of research. They'll send me whatever I need. They find like obscure research material for me. If I can't find a book that's out of print, they will find it for me. And so they know me. And I walked in the door and this and this woman named Gail, she's like, Oh yeah, I just directed somebody over to look at your books. So, of course, I went right over there, right? And this woman is holding one of my books, and I'm like, and again, I say the same thing like you would think I would have learned. I said, that's my book. And, oh, I scared her half to death. And, yeah, she pretty much ran away from me, too. So, yeah, I don't approach people these days. No, not going to do it. Yeah, I, I suppose that that would stop me from doing that, too. That is that's funny. <laughs> I love that. So do you have any parting words then for the listeners, anything that you would like them to, to know about you or about your books or anything you'd like to say to them at all? Just keep reading. And on behalf of all authors, it really helps when readers ask their libraries to buy our books, to put them in the stores. The best thing that readers can do for authors is just word of mouth to get the to get the news out about our books. I think that's how a good majority of my readers, I think that's how they found me was just word of mouth. You know, people saying, you know, she's kind of different. She's kind of funny. You know, she's, um, she, she writes these odd, quirky storylines. So things like that. And just keep, keep reading everyone because that's why we have jobs. That's right. Without the readers, we would not have anything to do. That exactly right. And there's a lot of always aspiring writers who, who listen in too. And so I just always recommend to them that they, you know, that you just keep reading. That's the, it's one of the best sources of research for you is to read whatever you can so that you know what's going on in the industry. And you, and just when you're reading books, you, you pick up how, how stories are supposed to go and how they're supposed to unfold. And, and just know that it takes a lot of work and it's a really tough industry to break into. And, but you know, just keep writing and keep reading. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us this week. It's been a real pleasure to have you with us. That's about all the time we have for today, everyone. Before we go, I want to remind you that if you have not subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk, please do so on your favorite podcasting site, such as Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all the others, we're there. Also, the show notes for this episode can be found at christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. You'll find out a little bit more about Jen and her books there, and you will also find some links there to purchase her latest book, To Steal a Heart. And while you're browsing the internet, I would love to have you stop by my website, which is liztolsma.com, and there you'll be able to find out a little bit more about me and about my books. Please join us next time when we chat about what Christian historical fiction book you would like to find underneath your Christmas tree this year. If you would like to be part of that poll and perhaps have your name or your or the book that you're recommending mentioned, please look me up on either Twitter, I'm at Liz Tolsma, or on Facebook. Again, just search 
author Liz Tolsma, and you will find me there. Thank you once again for joining me, and we will see you next time here on Christian Historical Fiction Talk. Mm-hmm.